Welcome to 36 Questions. I'm Nick. And I'm Anna. And we're a married couple. We are married in real life. That's awesome. We're going on uh, four years now. Four years. Best four years ever. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. So if you've never listened to our podcast before, 36 Questions is based on a psychological study by a man named Arthur Aaron. He got a bunch of strangers, put them in a lab situation in a room together and had them ask uh, this series of questions that developed intimacy. And after he was done, uh, two people got together and they ended up getting married. Yeah, they got married. And Nick realized this morning that every single episode I've been saying that this experiment took place in the 70s because it feels like a very 1970s experiment, but it was actually 1997. So it was 10 years ago. So, uh, <laughs> 1997 was actually 20 years ago. <gasps> wow, guys, I can't do math. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, so apologies to Arthur Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Arthur Aaron, if you've been listening to this podcast for the last 15 episodes. Yeah, if um, you're listening, just let email us, us. Let, let us, us know, know next time that we have it wrong. Yeah, let us know. It's really your fault. Uh, if you're not subscribed to us, uh, su- subscribe to us on iTunes. And leave us a review. Yeah, definitely. I want to say this up top because we usually say it at the end. We're going to say it at the end too, but we're going to say it right now. (laughs) And I want to do a quick shout out to Emily Kappa who listens to this podcast. What up, Emily? What up, Emily? Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thank you for being a listener to 36 Questions. So today we have Adam and Liz. Say hi, guys. Hey, how you doing, everybody? (laughs) I want to know how you guys met and how long you guys have been married for, even though we already know this, but our listeners do not know. Sure. Why don't you take it? Because you like telling the story. We have different versions of the story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, What we can agree on is we met at a wedding. We were uh, both there, uh, not together, obviously. We weren't uh, each other's dates. Um, We hit it off, uh, parted ways after the wedding, and then a few weeks later, a mutual friend kind of said oh let's all get drinks together and then she very conveniently disappeared um very quickly (laughs) and we got married june 25th uh 2016 yeah so we've been together five years five ish years um it'll be six years this year yes it was like we got together right before obama's second election that's how no no it was was after it was after it was like late november so he had actually been re-elected but that's how i remember it was 2012 november Yeah. yeah Uh, a lot of good things happening that year. Um, yeah. So what I liked, what I just left out of that story was when we met, um, Adam was seeing someone else. I was also like casually dating someone else, um, but the sparks flew and I was very taken with him and he was very flirty with me. And we were both sleaze bags and then we, you know, inappropriately <laughs> flirted. There was some dancing. Liz kissed me on the cheek, but she doesn't I don't remember, remember doing this. this. <laughs> um, but I remember being like, oh, this is not maybe the best thing to be doing right now. And then we reconnected uh, like a few months later. And I remember uh, Liz referred to me as Sketchy Adam on our first oh, date. Yeah. Oh, well, the reason for that is because the guy I had been casually seeing was also named Adam. And, and she was so differentiating. I was trying to differentiate between yeah, and the other the Adam also apparently was like physically very small. He apparently was shorter than Liz, which is hard to believe because you're a small person. But she would refer to him, I think, as Little Adam. And no, I was Sketchy Adam. No, he lived Adam. in Atlanta, so it was Atlanta Oh, Atlanta Adam. Adam and, forgive and me. That's my Adam. nickname for him, <laughs> Tiny Adam. I forgot. 
Um, so yeah, being the sketchy one, and I thought she was joking, and she said, no, I, I really think you were sketchy. And then the floodgates open, and we've been honest with each other ever since. Yeah. Are you still sketchy, Adam? That, that, the jury's still out. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, well, I would say this way. I've, I've been the best behaved I've ever been in my life in this relationship, but um, I will let Liz be the arbiter yes, of whether I'm Yes, I will say <laughs> that your behavior since that night has not been sketchy. Yeah, yeah. And if you're out there dating someone, you could find your true love by flirting <laughs> at a wedding with someone else. I mean, obviously, weddings are a really great place to me. I always say that to me. I mean, it's like, you know, there's like emotions are running high. I've been to weddings where I didn't even particularly like the bride or groom. But, that, but you know, the toasts start happening and the music's playing and, you know, you get caught up yeah. in it. Yeah. It's a beautiful time. And with that, <laughs> let's get started. Number one, given the choice of anyone in the world, living or dead, who would you want as a dinner guest? I hate this question. I know. I hate, well, I hate the living or dead part because I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to personally, I'm just not going to acknowledge people who are dead. That's Because I don't understand those rules. Once, I, I, once people die, Well, it's like, are they, are, if they're forever. dead, are they aware of all the things that happened after they were dead? Like, I'm sure Martin Luther King would be super interesting to talk to, but does he know what happened after 1968? Like, does he know Obama got elected? Because he would probably spend a lot of time being like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to just stick to alive people and right, I'm just going to go right off the top of my head. I'm going to say Barack Obama. Um, only because I, he's one of the only people in American life right now that I can say I genuinely admire without a lot of caveats. Mm. And I would be fascinated to kind of have to really kind of sit him down and have like a very lucid in-depth conversation where he ha- doesn't have to be kind of politically correct or, or sort of the cameras aren't on. And I'm, I'm just curious to know like what he's really thinking and feeling. Um, so off the top of my head, that's who. That's pops an in there. interesting because I do feel like he comes across as very like genuine and authentic. But to meet him in person and have him hopefully let some of that guard down, I wonder what else you could glean from him and what else you would learn about him. Like I wonder how much his public persona is actually his authentic persona. Sure. So who about you? Um, Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. hands down. <laughs> yeah. I would love to meet her. I think she's to your point about like admiring someone. I think she like has carved out this amazing career like she did in a time when like women really 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 had to like fight I mean we're fighting against a lot now but like she really was a trailblazer um and I think she's also someone who's like just authentically herself and that's such a hard thing to and do she's gonna live to be 100 I think yeah I got some time because all of my favorite singers <laughs> like, it's like yeah like I love Prince David Bowie and Michael Jackson they're all dead and I don't want to talk to dead people <laughs> I don't want to talk to no ghosts I, I never thought that if you have dinner with a dead person, most of the time they'd be like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> what are all these things? I, I literally thought a lot of times, like if somebody just has been in a coma for like the last three years. Oh, God. And then woke Can up you imagine? and were like, wait, the, the guy from The Apprentice? The birthday guy? <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to be a good look. Um, but let's go on to number two. Uh, so number two, would you like to be famous and in what way? This I is, think we're going to have very different answers. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> I would. I don't ever want to be famous. But you may I would end rather, up being I famous would, by accident. That's fine. I don't. But it's not something that I like aspire to. And I would rather be respected and like have a life that I find fulfilling. And for me, like fame is not something that factors into that. I don't think it would de- necessarily detract from it, but m- most likely, I think for me, it would. Even though you could be respected and famous, that is possible. Yeah, no, it's, it yeah. is possible. But I think that's hard. That that's a so if your cookie business like took off. And became like a I sensation. I welcome that. Yeah. 
that's fine. But it's for me, it's not something I necessarily want. Right. And I definitely want to be famous. I want to be super famous. Um, no, honestly, I mean, I wanted to be, this is a very meta moment because I wanted to be famous enough to be a guest on a podcast. Hey! Now, in the sense that like, I want to be famous enough where people will be like, oh, cool, they got that guy. And I would be that guy. You know, Guys, you, got him. you made it. Yeah, I don't want to be. I don't need to be like the host of a show or like the star of a movie. I would like to be able to accept an award because I could cool. give a very. I would give a baller acceptance speech where you would be like very much the centerpiece of it, yes. and people would be like, "Now that is a man," and that's how that speech would go. People would be like, "Now that that's how you do it," you know. Um, yeah, no, I just yeah, I I think I've made peace way too late in life with the fact that I desperately need uh, attention and validation at all times. What would you want to be famous for? Because you're an artist, you're a producer, you do all these things. Oh, please go on. No, I, I, <laughs> I, that's the thing. I do all these things, but I'm, I'm sort of exceptionally mediocre at all of them, which is part that's of my problem. That's um, No, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely have a lot of interest. I think I've come to the realization that I really like talking more than anything else. You're um, I like interviewing people and telling, hearing stories and telling stories. And I think... If I could have a job like that and be known for that, and people say, "Oh, he's like an interesting guy who has interesting things well, to I say." Well, I think what's interesting is you also took and like this the word big. Interesting a lot. <laughs> you you just took a big like shift in your career where now I think you're closer to that. Like you're able to help craft those stories and tell it. Like you just the piece that the show just did on um, the working class in Pittsburgh. I thought that was really exceptional and like a way to like tell stories that aren't being heard. So, I think you're you're on the right path. I hope we'll All see. Right. Um, before talking with someone, sorry, number three, yep. before talking with someone, do you ever rehearse what you are going to say? And if so, why? Um, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, I think I vaguely remember doing that when I was maybe much, much younger. I, I, I vaguely remember like doing phone calls with girls that I liked who didn't like me back, which was pretty much my entire adolescence. And there was a <laughs> lot of like, not maybe rehearsing, but like, trying to psych myself up to seem sort of cool. But uh, yeah, not really. I mean, I guess when I'm calling somebody, when I'm like reporting a story or something, I probably have... Like prepare, yeah. You know, some formal introduction of myself in mind, but that's really it. I do this all the time. Oh, really? I'm constantly running through like scenarios and maybe not necessarily exactly what I'm going to say, but I do it more often than I probably want to admit. And I think that's why I so often get deja vu because it's not necessarily that I've actually gone through that experience, but I've like played it out in my mind as far as like, if this happened, how would it go? Um, and I don't know why I do it necessarily. Maybe because I'd like to be prepared, but I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely a much better organized, sort of well-adjusted person than me. I think I react very emotionally to things in a very visceral well, way and just go I don't know that it. this helps me necessarily because... I also tend to like, even if I have played it out of my mind, when it, I actually am in that scenario, it doesn't mean that I'm actually carrying out in the way that I thought I was going to. But I do just always am thinking like, if I'm in that scenario, what would I do? What, what would I say? I know we're about to move on, but I will say whenever you are doing one of your work calls, I'm both in awe and a little bit frightened because <laughs> you become like another person and you're talking about all these terms and like speak that I can't understand and I'm just like oh like she's a lawyer like I don't know what I'm doing like I'm just sort of like this rube but uh anyway moving on number four 
Uh, what would constitute a perfect day for you? That's a really hard one. Ooh. I would say, or like reaction <laughs> from friends of ours about like, oh, your Instagram, you guys are always doing all this stuff and you do all this stuff. To me, it's like, that's my favorite thing. And the Instagram is really just like, oh, this is a place where I can like house these memories. It's not really for like public consumption. If people like it, that's cool. But it's literally like, to me, a perfect day is sort of kind of what we do on the weekends where it's like, because of our work schedules and just other things we're trying to do, other projects, we don't have a lot of time to do what we want to do. And so on a weekend, it's like I we both like to do a lot of activities. So, for yeah. instance, you know, yesterday we got up early, hosted a bunch of people for brunch. Then we did the Women's March. Then we had dinner with some friends who were in town from D.C. Uh, then we went home and uh, enjoyed ourselves. And then we went to a midnight <laughs> screening of The Room, which is my favorite bad movie of all time. Um, and it was an incredibly long day and very exhausting, but I felt satisfied that I got the most out of yesterday. Yes. And I think I would, I would agree with that, except my perfect day would involve zero work. And I think that was why yesterday was not a perfect day because I constantly have like work intruding on my days. So for me, it would be like all of those things you described, spending time with friends, doing fun activities, like doing things that are like meaningful, um, but being able to do it without like the ever present and possible intrusion of work. Uh, number five, when did you last sing to yourself? <laughs> when did you last sing to someone else? Wow. Okay. Uh, well, Liz knows this pretty well, but I am like a very, very vehement anti-singing person in terms <laughs> of myself in front of other people. What? Like it is one of my most intense I don't know if you would even call it a fear. It's like an aversion. Like, and it's so funny because every once in a while, I do hear you singing in the apartment, and you are good. So I don't get it. It is. <laughs> Whereas my, I am terrible. Yeah, this is my. Yeah, this is my white whale of like weird things. I like if anyone mentions karaoke, I go. I'm like, I'm out. I tap out. I'm not a part of that. I don't like that life. What? You would have to pay me a lot of money to sing yeah. in front of other people. And I used to actually do this when I was very young, but now it's like Whereas does not I'm happen. Game, as long as I don't have to sing by myself, be, mostly because I'm terrible and so I don't want. And to I'm probably force really mean else. about. I think like, I've definitely told Liz to stop. Like she will start. Singing, oh, I'm bad. Yeah. And I'll be like, please stop. Yeah. And I know it's mean, but it's like also it has I to try happen. to rap. Which is equally that, terrible. All that being said, uh, <laughs> sing to myself. I mean, I don't. Remember, I mean, I definitely do it probably without thinking about it. I, singing for another person, it has got to have been years. I mean, I have done it in front of you Does in like a car. Count? I'm not a good happy birthday Me singer. Me either. I always have to I let um, other sing the first part of it. And there's a that. certain portion of it that I just, I know I'm going to mess it up. So I just, I just get really quiet and then I come back. Yeah. I don't know where this phobia came from because I didn't always have it, but it's gotten so intense that I'm just convinced that people will be laughing at me. And so I just, and I don't like that unless it's on my own terms. So I'm just like, nope, never going to sing. So the next question is a singing question. Ah! No! I would literally, I would walk off. We should have seen that coming, by the way. Is it really? Because no. all right, I was going to get very afraid. Me too. I was going to do Podcast like over. I was going to do like the Rex Harrison, My Fair Lady, and like talk sing it. Yeah. Number six. If you lived until the age of ninety, but could keep either the mind or body of a thirty-year-old for the last sixty years, which would you choose? Mind. 
Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> uh, do you want to like extemp- you know, no, extrapolate I mean, on that? Like, if I don't have my mind, how can I even enjoy the fact that I have a 30 year old's body? Yeah, and I guess this question doesn't presuppose that you could be a, like a relatively, you know, as in shape as a 90-year-old could be. Yeah, 90-year-olds don't have to be like schlubs. Betty White. You could be a Betty White who's yeah. sort of holding it down. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, one of, I think, most people's great fears is your mind drifting away. I mean, I hate, when I say hate, it's like I can appreciate the artistry, but I hate when I see a movie about somebody with dementia or it's Alzheimer's, it is you know, terrifying. like what's that? Especially movie if you've that, seen uh, it in someone. Sarah Falls, what's her? Uh, God, that movie with Julie Christie, Away from Her, or something. Oh, I haven't seen it, but that movie, I was like, st- all the pain and tears. It's just like that idea, like the idea that one day I wouldn't be able to really communicate with you or remember things, yeah. and and for you to have to be burdened with that. Well, that's what I was gonna it, say. Like when you've seen it in people here. in your own life too, you realize like what a drain it is. Because like, if, yeah. if it's a f- happening to you, if you're just like kind of blissfully tapped out, like maybe you're fine. But just to see kind of the toll it takes on other people, too, is hard. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, when all else fails, you always want to choose the brain, even if you're just like a head in a jar. If I'm thinking <laughs> there's going to be something entertaining going on in my head that I can bounce around. You can sing to yourself. I think everybody loves The Notebook, but it's a super sad movie. I don't know why people like it. I've that. never even seen it, but I know I know that the, the storyline of it. And I've yeah, I'm. Yeah, I know there's a lot of like kissing in the rain. And, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of kissing in the rain. I've heard it's not a good movie, but yeah. All right. Number seven. Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? Hmm. Uh, I think about it a lot. I don't have a real scenario. I mean, I always have this very narcissistic fantasy of like, doing something heroic which i think speaks to my like weirdness as a human being um i'm always like if something went down i would want to think i'd be like shielding people and stuff um you know who knows i i no i haven't really thought about it i mean i've been pretty relatively healthy most of my life i knock on wood or whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah, no. Um, it, the thinking about it now really scares me. I don't really want to think about it, but I don't have a hunch. I don't. I don't think I do. That's a boring answer. But I will say, whenever we're on a plane and it's taking off Oof, or landing, yeah. I it. Yeah, that makes me anxious. I I, I get really anxious. And I think I don't think I was with you. I think we were flying back from a shoot or something. But we definitely had like a bumpy-ish landing once recently where I was sort of like, don't like it. Um, <laughs> your, your favorite, I mean, a lot of times when we've had these conversations privately, Liz will say, like, you're not allowed to die. This is like this thing oh, that never. she says, which is very cute, but it's like, I'm a black man. My life expectancy is probably like 62, and I'm also like three years older than you, so the likelihood really is... really bumming me out right but, now. But <laughs> I mean, it's just the reality. It's a reality that I'm probably going to die first, and we've also had this conversation where Liz is very comfortable, like, I'm moving on, but if, if, you, if I ever die, if Adam you dies have first, to like I mourn me on. forever. I think that's... Uh... <laughs> Which I think is probably what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, number eight. Name the most important thing you feel you and your partner have in common. Can we go at the same time? I, I mean, no, you, I think you can go first. And um, I think it's a commitment to each other. Okay, uh, that was very short. Um, I would say <laughs> I was gonna say communication. Well, I think that's yeah, that was um, which obviously couldn't be the same thing. But yeah, I, I that's like the first thing that pops into my head. I just feel like 
from even that first date when you, you know, insulted me. Um, <laughs> you've always been very honest. I you've just always laid been, out my crazy. No, I, no, was I, like, honestly, it was it, it was the best great. thing because <laughs> I, I never, I was never good at game playing. I didn't understand it until I was too old to be doing it. Um, I, I think now I know how to be aloof, but I did not understand that when I was younger, and I was always confronted with. You know, people who wanted to play games and things, and and you were really the first person where it was like, I'm just going to be myself, and I'm going to say what I think and feel at all times. I literally don't recall ever having a thought that I wanted to tell you but didn't tell you for this reason or that reason. No, and I do think about that sometimes because I think I have parts of myself and I'll share some of that with certain with some people and it's not necessarily the same overlap but you are the only person who knows all of that like knows like me as a complete person yeah uh number nine for what in your life do you feel most grateful uh well i mean it's just like the obvious thing is you obviously (laughs) i mean yeah, I guess it's sort of a cliche, easy answer, but it really is. I mean, it's, I always say it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's the thing I'm sort of proudest of, you know, ever I get. Maybe this is a question that's coming, but whenever people are like, oh, like, what is the thing you're most proud that you accomplished in your life? And I feel like the fact that you married me is like always going to be my greatest kind of accomplishment they'll be like oh that that I mean, i'm getting like him. i'm getting all for clint but no it's true <laughs> I, I mean it's just it's like the one thing that i don't have any kind of neuroses about I'm yeah. like i got that right and, and i agree and i think the reason i'm specifically grateful for it is because i know how how hard it is to find and how easily like you, you i could have said no to that wedding like you could have brought your actual girlfriend to the wedding. Well, she didn't want to come, but yeah. yeah. There was like, so there, but there's so many things that could have led to us like never meeting and the fact that we've met and like created this life that is um, so full of happiness and love and fulfillment is great. Keep it together. I know, I'm like, like, I'm like, I'm like, cry guys. Like 10 questions in, or 10 questions in. Here, you guys are so cute. All right, uh, number 10. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would Oof. it be? <laughs> this, this might need to be a separate podcast. But would you change it? Absolutely, yeah. I would. I mean, the entire reason. I mean, you, do you want to take it first? All right, because well, you know I'm going to have a lot to say about this one. I know, I know. So <laughs> I was raised in a very conservative, very religious household. And I just don't know that I would change it, though. Well, I w- okay. Well, I would say this. This is one of the many things I really admire about you because you took lemons and turned it into lemonade in a way that I haven't been capable of. <laughs> you really, I mean, I always say to people, like I, I was even telling Sam this, like you overcame a lot of things that were imposed upon you. Like you weren't allowed to wear uh, pants. You weren't allowed to cut your hair. You weren't allowed to wear makeup. You weren't allowed to do all of these things that so many people take for granted because of this incredibly draconian sort yeah, of religious upbringing you had. I wonder if I had been allowed to do all those things, would I have been like knocked up at 16 and like <laughs> living in Idaho? With, like, I, I don't know. Kids, I mean, that's you know? fair. And I, I definitely, I get your point. It's like, I, I it, like the, the wedding story we just told, it's like, yeah, if, if we hadn't met under those circumstances, who knows if we would have met under different circumstances. And I can appreciate that. And I get that a lot of the things that I went through made me who I am today. But I really think... A lot of the things I struggle with from self-esteem to, you know, um, kind of questioning, you know, what I want to do with my life all goes back to my childhood because I also had a very strict upbringing. It wasn't even so much about religion. I think there was just 
generational cultural things. I mean, the biggest one is is my parents uh, were pretty verbally and physically abusive, I would say. And I would say, you know, if I could go back, I don't know how I could have changed that because I had no agency in that. But I do think it created a dynamic where there was a big emotional remove between me and my parents, yes. where there was like a, a constant physical sort of threat there and verbal threat there that and I think if that was removed, I would have been happier. Yeah, and it's interesting to me because I obviously only know your parents now and whoops. Um, <laughs> And I see them as like these like sweet, older, you know, kind people. Um, but I know that like the things that they did when you were growing up, like have had this like impact. And it's sometimes hard for me to reconcile those two things when I'm with them. Um, so I, I agree. I think in your case, like if you could go back and change those things, like I don't blame you for wanting to change them. I mean, both of those things can be true. And I think they have considerably mellowed in their yeah. like later years. And I think. They came from a generation where they were to be seen and not heard. They were, you know, made to get a switch from a tree, you know. Yeah. So from their perspective, you know, a belt or like an unkind word was a, you know, Well, and this is why, like, I up. get freaked out about, like, becoming a parent myself because I'm just like, oh, man, like, you're really, like, forming and molding this person and you can, there's, like, just so much that could go wrong. Sure. <laughs> uh, number 11. Take two minutes to tell your life story in as much detail as possible. Oh, my God. You want to go first? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> go. Wait, who's going first? Whoever. Oh, okay. You go ahead. You go ahead. Um, I was born in uh, Puerto Rico. My family's Puerto Rican. Uh, when I was rel- relatively young, my family moved to Idaho. So I had a very unique upbringing in that we were definitely um, the outsiders in a relatively homogenous community in Idaho. Um, Had a fairly normal upbringing otherwise. Uh, Two older brothers, uh, parents who, you know, were just trying to make the best for their family um, and always emphasized improving, you know, our lots in life. So, then there was an emphasis on, you know, educating yourself, which I was a pretty, oh, this is so fucking hard, <laughs> <laughs> um, outstanding student, which helped. And I got a lot of lucky breaks and a lot of mentorship that helped push me to uh, going to a school that um, I otherwise probably wouldn't even have thought to have applied to. And that's how I ended up on the East Coast, where I've been ever since. And I thank my lucky stars for that. Um, and I think from there, you know, did the best I could in college, which was a really hard experience. Um, ended up going to law school almost just by default. Um, and I've been practicing law for almost a decade. Uh, lucky enough to meet my husband <laughs> five years ago. And, um, you know, doing the best I can to kind of move through this world. That was so fucking hard. Was that, <laughs> that exactly I don't know. I'm done, though. I, decided, I want to have a sense of, like, time because oh. I have no sense of time. Uh, we open on a shack oh, in the woods. Now, uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was born in Princeton, New Jersey. I was a middle child, uh, very much in the classic sense. I had an older brother and a younger sister both of whom were much more extroverted than I was. Uh, My father is a Baptist minister. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, She had been working for an airline, and right around the time I was born, decided to become a stay-at-home mom, which pretty much began uh, my lifelong uh, guilt trip that I'm still on. 
because um, I felt an enormous responsibility as a very young person for her having made that decision, even though I was an infant and I had no say in it, um, and pretty much spent the rest of my adolescence kind of trying to figure out how to probably please her and please other people. Um, I developed an interest in art and I sort of drew constantly and then I discovered movies and kind of got lost in the world of movies in an attempt to sort of both sort of escape my sort of childhood neuroses, but also I just love movies. Um, eventually, I found my way to writing. Um, so I was a very mediocre student for most of my life unless I found a subject matter that I was really interested in. So I could get it like an A on a paper on Watergate, but if you showed me numbers, it was like I couldn't see them. Um, I was obsessed with girls pretty much from the age of six, I want to say. I think I asked someone to marry me in the first grade. Um, and so pretty much, yeah, all I cared about was, was girls and, and trying to be cool. Um, I think, yeah, by the time I got out of college, I had a little bit more focus and I had kind of found myself to have an ability in writing. So I went to journalism school right out of undergrad, uh, Columbia. Then I worked in journalism for the next 13 years at magazines, at websites, did a little bit of TV stuff, um, sort of late in the game. Still didn't know what I was meant to do on this earth. Um, but I knew after the election of Donald Trump that I couldn't be a journalist anymore, at least not in the short term, because it almost felt like everything we did was useless. Um, and so I went to work at the Sam B Show and also uh, married the most incredible person in the world. Aww. <laughs> that was way too long. I apologize. <laughs> really um, number 12. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, human or superhuman, what would it be? might have the same answer on this uh teleportation because i am lazy and i would like to just get from point a to point b as quickly as possible yeah that's a tough one i mean yeah i definitely have always liked teleportation as a concept or wait can i yeah please i'm gonna amend my answer or the ability to eat whatever i want and not gain any weight right but then would you still feel like stomach achy from like eating crappy food no well, that's like another power. See, that's the thing. You can't add on. I would say I've always thought uh, being able, this is like a weird one, but I wish that I could be able to play any instrument flawlessly. It's a good one. Because one of my greatest regrets is I, I was never like willing to commit the time and energy to truly learn an instrument. I had some aptitude for it, but I am just really lazy and I don't like things that I'm not instantly good at. So for whatever reason, I was very good at drawing. And so it was like, cool, I'll just do that forever. Whereas instruments, I was like, I hate practicing. Um, but I really regret that now because I just think how baller would it be to be like a virtuoso on anything. the flute. So that's what I'm going to say. But teleportation would be dope yeah. too. I like that flute was the one you thought of. Yeah, flutes. Well, because can, can, can you picture Adam playing a flute? Like, <laughs> no, no. Number 13. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, or the future, what would you want to know? Um, I guess right now a lot of my preoccupations have been career oriented. So, and I don't, I wouldn't want to know anything. I feel like I wouldn't want to know about tragedy or anything like that in my personal life or family. Life. I don't know. That just seems like a truth that I don't want to confront prematurely. But I would like to know, you know. 
<laughs> what's all of this about? Is this am I heading in a good direction professionally? Is there is is this dream job I keep concocting in my mind actually yeah. going to be the one I'm in or the, or the next one or or that's something I'm definitely grappling with. So I guess I would want to know um, if I'm headed on the right track or something. I don't like this question. <laughs> so are you going to refuse to answer? I don't want to. I don't know. I feel like because it's it's the truth, right? So it may not necessarily be good. And so I'd rather not know and kind of just carry on with my life than if then know that something terrible was like looming. And it may not be that it's something terrible, but if you're going to ask for the truth, it very well could but be. Do, would you want to know that a good thing is coming? Yeah, but I'd have to risk that it could also be a terrible thing. I mean, why? Because that's life. But the crystal ball never lies. <laughs> that's exactly why. It's yeah. the truth. Okay. I think I confused myself on that one. <laughs> so I think that's a pass. <laughs> yeah. Hard I didn't pass. Know you, were, you know, if I knew you were allowed to pass, I definitely would have passed on the two minute. Like, I depressed well, I guess my myself. Answer would technically I depressed be... all your listeners. Um, I wouldn't want to know. I feel like we, we've got to get the levity back. I feel like we took a, a dark turn, and now we're in like a weird David Lynch movie. I feel like we've movie. just scratched the surface. <laughs> All right, number 14. Is there something you've dreamed of doing for a long time, and why haven't you done it? Uh, quitting my job and really starting a new career. Yeah, I'm putting okay. it out there. That's it? Yeah. You're like the queen of like the super short answers. I got a nuance. I got to get my nuance. I mean, I can I can talk about it more. No, no, it's fine. Like uh, it's not satisfying and I would like to do something. And yeah. I have thought about it for a long time. And it's just one of those things that like I just can't. I'm so risk averse. And so like actually pulling the trigger on it sure. is hard. So if I could just do that, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I guess I'm going to pick a, like a more simple, potentially achievable one. But I've been doing art stuff for a while now, especially the last couple of years, really out of just like a lot of nervous energy. And I've had more of an urge to try to do something more with it. I know, you know, people have been like, oh, you should do like a gallery showing or something like that. And it's something I would theoretically want to do, but I don't know the first thing about kind of getting that off the ground in a practical way. I have been trying to talk to people and get ideas, but I would say that's something I dream of doing is one day having like a big sort of splashy, oh, this is all the stuff I do and have done and love it or like it. Well, I think both it. of ours are totally achievable. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it says God. <laughs> I like that your voice just comes over the top. Correct. <laughs> I wait, I'm waiting for the incorrect. It might be. <laughs> um, number 15, what is the greatest accomplishment of your life? Uh, well, I mean, I already answered this, but I, again, I really do think uh, marrying you was the greatest accomplishment in the sense that I remember being way too young and thinking, oh, I'll be alone forever and, you know, women don't like me and there's something wrong with me. I definitely was one of those people for a very long time. And the fact that I was able to overcome that on some level and be confident and decent enough for you to see something in me <laughs> was is an accomplishment i would say like a distant second is like i don't know i think the the journalism career i had i didn't like win any awards or break any big stories or whatever but i'm proud of a lot of the pieces i wrote and i think that i did some stories that were worth telling that maybe weren't being told everywhere so yeah. i would say that's a distant second yeah um, I agree. I think the life that we've created together is my greatest accomplishment. I th I'm really happy. And I think sometimes I have to like stop and take stock of it because I, 
if I had asked like 17 year old Liz, like, what's your life going to be like in like a decade or so? I don't think that I ever like even thought that it was possible. So it's nice to like be with someone I love and live in a city that I love. And, you know, we'll work on the career stuff <laughs> too. <laughs> with 17 year old Liz, you'd be like married to like a new kid on the block or something. No, I don't. I think that's I was probably too bef- young for yeah. the kids on the block. Way to date me! All right, yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way to date yourself. <laughs> All right, uh, number sixteen. What do you value most in a friendship? Um, I seek out friends who are uh, very genuine. I don't expect perfection from my friends, but I at least want them to be like their true selves. With and I, I'm drawn to people who are very like comfortable with who they are. Um, and not trying to like put on airs or pretend to be someone they're not like that kind of like, uh, honesty and, and genuineness is really important to me. Um, I guess I would say, uh, people making the effort, especially nowadays, I feel like people don't respond to email. They don't respond to text message. Everybody is booked within an inch of their fucking lives. (laughs) Um, and I feel like the few truly great friends I have actually reach out in one way or another on a fairly consistent basis just to like. We should catch up. I know it's been a while. Let's make this happen. And they get something on a calendar and they get it done. Um, I think it's really easy to have a very superficial friendship now where you kind of follow each other and like each other's pictures on one form or another. And there's really no there there. Um, And I like like talking on the phone. Like I'm a really weird analog kind of guy. Very opposite in that way. (laughs) Having just like my favorite time is just like having a beer with somebody and having like a fucking hour two hour conversation and just being real for a minute like put the fucking phones down and be a person with me and actually ask me a question about how i'm doing not so you can just talk about yourself but because you genuinely want to know what's going on with me and vice versa so yeah i would say that's how i look for friendships what is your most treasured memory Oof. Um, I, okay. I mean, the obvious answer is our wedding. I mean, I, I don't want to be that guy who, like, everything is like, this is the answer. It's like Rain Man. I'm like, this, 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 is, the best, this is the best thing that ever happened. I love Liz. I mean, de- I don't de- mind de- it, de- Definitely Liz. <laughs> definitely Liz. I'm going to say, that, that's obviously, I mean, that was, like, the most fun I ever had. I would say, I'm, I'm going to mention another one just to be more interesting. Um, this is, like, a, such a stupid thing. But I, when I first did improv, my first improv class... Um, and that led to my first performance, which was really the first time I had done anything on stage since I was in high school. And I remember, um, you know, I really liked my teacher. I, I thought she thought I was good. And I remember the night of the performance, right before we went on, there was this one girl in our class who never would just miss class a lot. She was always late. She was sort of flaky. And there was very touch and go whether she was actually going to make it to the performance. And so right before we went on, she goes, if Belin doesn't show up, Adam, you perform twice because we had like the the class split in two and we do Mm -hmm. two sets. And so, you know, even in my infinite, you know, insecurity, I took that to mean, oh, she must think I'm good enough to be in both sets. And, uh, but it was also sort of nerve wracking because I was like, I'm sure, I'm not even sure I can get through the first one. We did the first one, it went really great. And I was kind of high off of the performance or whatever. And then I go, start to go back to my seat my coach kind of sig- signals me like Belinda didn't show up, st- you know, stay up there. The other people are kind of looking at me like, oh, you're staying up here. And I was like, she told me to. So anyway, the show went great and it was such a unbelievably gratifying thing. I don't think I ever felt better after a performance after that. It was like this one special moment in time and we got uh, like reviewed afterwards. And my coach was like, 
you know, I think you're a natural leader and I knew you'd do great and you did great. And it was just, it was really, that was other than my wedding that that's like a night I will never forget. Yeah. Um, agree with you about the wedding. It was, people say like, oh, your wedding just like flies by and like, it'll, it'll go by so quickly. I, I didn't feel that way about our wedding. I thought like I really got the opportunity to like soak it all in. Um, but I'm also going to go back to my childhood and talk about going camping with my family huh. because it was such an absurd, like if you get a bunch of Puerto Ricans together in <laughs> Idaho, it's like none of us knew what we were doing. We were just like, we just want to like spend some time together out in the woods and we're going to figure this out as we go along. <laughs> and it was fun. It was nice to just like be in a tent, like playing cards and like my mom telling stories about like what it was like when she was like a little girl and like right. us trying to figure out how to put this tent together. Cause like, yeah, we've never been camping. camping. <laughs> white people thing. I can't kind, I mean, get into that. I don't blame you for thinking that, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was fun. Cool. All right. Coming up hot. Number 18. Uh, what is your most terrible memory? if I want to get into that. <laughs> oh, is it that bad? Yeah. I, I mean, I've talked to you about it. Um, it was like the first time I ever had to call 911 and it was because my brother and my dad had like gotten into like a physical oh, okay. altercation. Sure, and it was sure. like my brother, um, in, he's like a, a role model to me in the sense that like he, his life has taken like a very meandering path to like get to where he's now. Like now he's like a father and like a professor and like you would never know that like when he was in high school, he was like a fucking like one of these kids who just like did drugs all the time and like barely graduated from high school. Um, so to me, I always like think of him as someone who's like, your life doesn't have to take this like straight course from A, B, C, D to Z. Yeah. Like there are other ways to like get to where you are in your life. But I remember when he was in high school, he was like super high on drugs, came home super late. My brother and my dad got into this like screaming match and, it came, and my brother was a wrestler then. So my brother was like really strong and built and, um, and not that my dad wasn't. My dad was in the military, so, like, he could hold his own. But, like, seeing them literally, like, wrestling and grappling and my mom screaming at me to call 911. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I was, like, in fifth grade maybe. And it was, yeah. You can hear I'm emotional just talking no, about it. Like, that's I'm very harrowing. Try not to think about it, but yeah. it was, it was, I still, it's, like, a very vivid memory still. Yeah, I don't have anything remotely as profound or compelling as that. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know how to answer this one but i'm just going to talk about the first thing that popped into my head it, it can't be the most terrible memory because it's such an insignificant thing but i remember i was going through a breakup with this person that i did many many years ago and it was a very contentious breakup I, <laughs> the very short version of it is this happened to be a white person and among other things they told me that uh, when they were breaking up with me that I was too urban and that they weren't sure that they could raise a black child. Yeah. Now, keeping putting that aside, okay, <laughs> that's that's another part of the trauma. Needless to say, it was a very bad breakup and so I still had keys to her apartment and so I purposely went to her apartment to basically get the last of my things and drop off some of her things. It was a very benign, not like I'm going to go there and like trash the place. So I go there, literally I'd like <laughs> neatly folded like whatever clothes she'd left in my apartment and like placed them on her bed and I'm about to leave and I notice that her phone is there. Now I'm not proud of this, oh, but I, you know, I was very much in the like breakup fever stage. I don't think you can blame people for what they do immediately post breakup. I agree, and I was like one of the, it was like that scene in the movie <laughs> where you're looking at this phone, and it was so sad about this was I was so broken at this moment that I was like I wanted to see if she was as upset as I was, so I was hoping that there'd be a text like oh I feel bad or like. 
I miss Adam or, you know, I hope everything works out. Something like that. And instead, she had a text to her ex-boyfriend. And it, it I'm paraphrasing, but the vibe was essentially like, I'm like, I'm out of that relationship. We should meet up, up for like, <laughs> yeah, basically like it was like a you up text. But it was more explicit than that. I mean, it was essentially alluding to the idea of like, we should meet up and hang out. And it physically felt like the bottom of my body had like fallen out because it was sort of like suddenly this breakup, which had already been very like bitter and acrimonious, was like, oh, no, maybe this has been like a cheating situation. And so basically like for it didn't turn out to be the case, but it's complicated. But for about 24 hours, I was very beside myself in a way that I don't recall ever being. Yeah. But yeah. Oof, this shit gets raw. I know. It gets raw <laughs> up in here. Going through some things. Yeah. Um, also, I am a crier, so that is very likely to happen. Wipe your at some tears point. off the microphone. Yep. Don't damage the equipment. It happens to everyone on this podcast. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> every time. Not every time. But have you yeah. ever had people like turn on you? So where's the box you? of tissues? Come on, guys. <laughs> have you ever had people like turn on you and be like, I did not know it was going to be this way. No. I'm out. Oh, good. That's Maybe good. today's the day. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, I'm just glad you guys, like, signal me because I could go way too long. What's that? Uh, number 19. If you knew you would die a year from now, Ooh. would you change anything about the way you are now living and why? Oof. That's interesting. I would. I don't, I mean, I think based on my prior answers, this is not a surprise to anyone, but I would quit my job and I would just find something to do that is much more fulfilling. Yeah. Quitting the job seems like a given if you only have like a year to live i mean i don't know if i have the finances to like (laughs) go a year without working that's the thing but i do feel like at that point you need to just have like i mean if i knew i was gonna die i would take out a loan and then just no that's fair no that's really smart i max out all your credit card i mean definitely you'd want to i would want to be traveling more than i do i mean we travel but clearly it'd be like you know i haven't been to africa yet i haven't been to asia it's like Mm -hmm. there's so many things that i need to see and experience i definitely would want to kind of See what the world had to offer. So I think that's my first impulse. Um, I'm desperately trying to lose weight. So I hate the idea of saying I would just eat whatever I wanted. But I guess at that point, it's like, like, I mean, it would be (laughs) weird to go out like 60 pounds heavier and just be like, fuck it. You know, I'm eating burgers for days. And like, remember, remember me. That's going to be my last word with like hamburger coming out of my mouth. You guys remember me and then just put me in the ground. But yeah, uh, yeah. no, I mean, it's weird. I don't know. It's like, I I definitely have not thought this much about my own death and I now I can't forget it. Uh, But I do think, yeah, traveling, I would just see the world and give a lot more hugs. I'm not the best at affection, I feel like, with people. Like, when people are really, like, cry and huggy, I'm like, I'm, I'm out. I, I, don't, I don't like it. And I feel like I'd have to make peace with a lot of people that right now I'm just keeping them at bay. Do you think it's telling that neither one of us was like, spend time with family? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would do that too. But, like, you know, my parents are in Jersey. They're not that far away. I, I, I guess I don't see them as much as, like, some people see their families. But, no, it's not the top priority for me. I and hate to say it. question. If you knew you were going to die in a year... Would you You're tell ending anyone? new questions? Oh, yeah. This we is, have lots this of is, questions to get to. This is 19A. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we got time constraints. Okay, but just quickly, would you tell anyone else that you were also going to die? Like, would, would you fill oh, your family wow. in? That's like, would you, hard. I would tell you. I think you got to. I think that's, like, a really weird thing to do, to just be, like, on the low, like, 
by the way, tomorrow's the day. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, like, well, people to be prepared. This very intense I mean, look, this, this is like, no a, again, I, I'm going to bring everybody down, but you know that I have this, like, very strong conviction that, like, people don't care about me. This is, like, a constant theme yes, running through my that I'm constantly trying my to narrative. So my understand. whole thing is, like, I would probably convince myself that people wouldn't care, and then you would be like, you have to tell people because people will care, and then we'd probably meet somewhere in the middle, and I'd be like, oh, more people care than I thought. Remember me, and then I die. Yeah. <laughs> people would be like, Adam's been eating a lot of burgers. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know why. Yeah, now I'm kind of weirdly craving a burger. It's like a burger intervention. We're like, I know. Listen, I'm gonna die. Yeah. Fine, I'm dying. Save the bun. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know why I'm like falling down a well as I die, but yeah. Yeah. maybe that's how I'm gonna die. I'll save. Oh, a that's kid. your hunch now. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. save a kid who fell down a well. All right. After burgers, after eating burgers. Well, you yeah. gotta have sustenance. Number twenty. Beyond what you value in a friendship, what does having close friends mean to you personally? Take your time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to understand the question. I know it's a it's a weird one. I think that's why I couldn't read it. Beyond what you value in a friendship, what does having close friends mean to you personally? I can field it first if yeah, that's helpful to you. I'm, yeah. Um. So yeah, I think for me, I mean, this kind of goes back to the family question. I was never very very close with anyone in my family, and none of my siblings. I, I don't have like a best friend in my family. So for me, the friends I've had in my life, for better or worse, have been kind of the equivalent of family. So they've been a support system. They've been people that cheered me up. They've been people that I've needed to be there for. And it's definitely been, I like to think of myself as a good friend or I, I try to be really loyal and dedicated and helpful and honest with these people. And so, yeah, I think um, it's definitely kept me afloat in a lot of really messed up times. I don't know that I have anything other than what you just said. I feel like similarly, we are not particularly close to our families and so friends do fill that role um but i've never been someone who has like super close relationship with friends like i have friends and they mean a lot to me um and i try to be there for them and i know that they would be there for me um but i get what you're saying because neither (laughs) of us have like you don't have like this crew of girlfriends that like have a name you know, like the posse. pandas. Come yeah. on, girls, let's do. It. I don't know. Why I pick pandas. That makes but, me know. sound like really cold-hearted, but no, I just no. I mean, like... I'm I'm the same way. I don't have like a, a group. I think it's one of my great selling points. Is I don't have like <laughs> I don't have like a posse of bro bros where it's like let's get together and like talk how we really feel and like yeah. really show. It's like I have a lot of great individual like very specific relationships with people. Some of them are like connected through shared things. Like I have a few friends from improv. I have a few friends from different jobs I've had, but. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I feel like my friends are gonna listen to this and be like, "What the fuck, the Liz? I thought bitch. we were so close." And then we are. I just, I just feel like there's other than you, there's no one that like in my life I couldn't feel like. Well, this is damn. So <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know where you're going with that one, but you might want to. Like, if I lost all of my friends tomorrow, <laughs> I feel like I would. Be what okay. are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? That is the darkest turn of them all. You're like, like, look. If, a, if we had a couple of 9-11s just to clean the slate, I'd be fine with I it. Think, I think what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't need my friends. Oh, keep it going. This is going really well. Uh, let it be known. Liz Rosado wasn't no, here to make friends. She like, hasn't listen, made friends. And when no, all of her friends are dead, she'll be just fine. 
Like, I, there's nothing from my friends that I need from them. I wow. guess I'm trying to wow. say. Wow, <laughs> keep it going. Hey, you know what? Uh, Liz's friends, I like you. I need you. When Liz has betrayed you, come no, find me. I'll be your I friend for life. I think that's a life. positive because then my friends don't have to think like, oh, I, you're, you're trying to get something yes. from our relationship. I, I, think and, I, yes. I think I will translate what you're Thank saying. You. You're, you're not, you're not, no, you're not a particularly needy person. I've never seen you. I don't think I've ever heard you call one of your friends for like, advice or help like you're not really that type of person you're pretty self-sufficient you know as far as your friends go yeah yes friends out there i love you (laughs) maybe but maybe she doesn't mind if you're dead or alive you are cold that was was, sorry guys you're independent but if your friends died then that's cool yeah yeah. I don't need you friends. Don't need, I am Beyonce because Beyonce got rid of all those girls from Destiny's oh, Child. And she's no, like, I'm fine. She still talks to Kelly Rowland. That's true. That's true. All right. <laughs> um, one. You can cut out the part where I just compared myself to Beyonce. <laughs> uh, keep that in. Uh, number 21. How important is love and affection in your life? How do you show affection? Uh, it's very important. And... I am a glutton for <laughs> affection. That's true. Uh, and how I show it, I don't know. I, I, I feed people. That's how I show my love. I'm like, if I like you, I'm baking for you. I'm cooking for huh. you. Yeah, so that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're you're definitely a very, like, smoochy, kissy, mm-hmm. touchy-feely person in a way that I am not. And it's, like, different for me. But I don't dislike it. I obviously like it. Um, like, Liz will do this thing. This is so weird and intimate and weird. But you, like, Liz is, like, got the most incredibly like soft soothing hands that I've ever encountered in my life and she will occasionally just like rub my head and it's like the, the dumbest thing but it's like you know we're watching a TV show or a movie it's and almost I, just second nature now it is it's just like, like this. crack like, cocaine yeah. for me it feels so good and it's like I need it like a like a child needs food. I don't know what the <laughs> metaphor was. Children need food, dude. Whenever I'm around kids now, I'm like, oh my God, like I forget that children need to be fed by other people. And so, you know what I mean? Because like one of the core, like, I know, but it's like, I remember when we were visiting my niece for Thanksgiving and she was like, mom, I'm hungry. And I remember being like, look at yourself, so me. And then I was like, oh shit, like she's too young to get something for herself. Anyways, uh, really weird tangent. Um, yeah, I think, um, I love like, hugging and you know all that stuff like with friends i always think that's nice the hug goodbye the hug hello that's always good um yeah i don't know i mean i hope i i, I think i'm like i used to like be like a mixed cd guy that's when i liked a girl i'd be like yeah. hey, here's some music i, I made you... you i like to create things for people i like to draw stuff for people yes. i'm a big uh like note writer yes. i will write You're you much more verbal like a I hardcore am. card that will like exactly. bring you to and, tears ex- and it will whereas i will like make you some cookies true story this is like a very weird self-aggrandizing moment and this will be my only one but one of my friends like when she passed her dad passed away very suddenly and i wrote her mom this like note that was like i didn't think it was that big a deal adam and writes all of our cards all of our thank you cards and all of our literally i am a master both mortified by this and flattered by this but apparently like every year on the anniversary of uh, our friend's father's death like the mother like reads this note to the family and it's like this big deal and <laughs> yeah. she and brings so I met it up her all the time. time I met our friend's mom for the first time and she brought it up and it was really sweet and that's like very, very like touching. I'm very flattered by that but it's also like whoa it's good <laughs> people always mention your, your, your messages because yeah, yeah. I will sit there and just like look at this blank page and be like I want to tell them all these things so they know I appreciate them, but the words just don't come out. And meanwhile, you do it in like two minutes, and it's the most beautiful, like heartfelt thing. And I'm just uh, like, Fuck. I just think I'm I have like a lot of weird bottled up emotion. And if someone's like, here's a here, you can express that emotion now. 
it's like, be careful what you wish for because it's going to get weird. Yeah. But it comes out. <laughs> All right. Uh, number, we're almost there, Liz. Number 22, share two positive characteristics of your partner. Okay. Um, I think you are very honest, both with yourself and with others. And you are also very ambitious in a way that has um, forced me to kind of look at what I really want out of life and reach a little higher. That's good and succinct. Um, I would say, uh, I always say patient, which I think is like, it's not the most flattering thing in the world, but it is like important and it's incredibly, it's made, I think, all of our lives a lot better because you have so much patience with me, with people, with situations. Um, I just think, you know, I don't feel judged whenever I'm with you because you're very kind of like, okay, well, how do you, why do you feel this way? Like, you'll, you will not just, like, have a reaction to my, you know, obnoxiousness. You'll actually try to understand why I'm being so obnoxious. And I think the other one, I would say um, you're incredibly tough. I, and I think you, you definitely have moments where you feel, like, beaten down by something, whether it's something that happened at work or outside of work. But I've never seen you be someone who sort of feels sorry for themselves. Like, you're pretty much a, like, dirt off your shoulder, like, okay, I need to be proactive about this situation that's frustrating me or upsetting me. Um, That's not to say I won't throw myself a pity party, but I don't really. Feel I try like you, to move on. As I don't feel as like can. you do that. I feel like you're pretty like you take what comes, like you man up and you deal with it. If you have a task that needs to get done, you you just do it. And I I, I call that toughness or strength, whatever it works for me. Oh, this will be interesting. <laughs> Number twenty three. How close and warm is your family? Do you feel your childhood was happier than most other people's? I actually think my family is very warm. Yeah. They are. Um. And I, the reasons that we're not close has nothing to do with, like, a lack of, like, love and affection. There's, we just have very different, like, worldviews. Um, but whenever we're together, we have, like, a really good time. And, um, like, I know, like, my, my brothers are much older than me, so we never had, like, a super, like, tight-knit relationship. But I, they are 100% there for me and have gone to, um, basically gone, what's the phrase? To bat for you? Yes, thank okay, you. Okay, I, I guess I, I was worried you were going to start crying because I didn't know. I know I've been on like the verge of tears like for half of this, no, but um, you guys are pretty. I think you. I mean, I guess compared to my family, I think you guys are pretty close to yeah, me. Yeah, no, I like, agree. That's my I perception. agree. Um, it's a different kind of closeness, and I do sometimes see people who like will call their parents and like they're they're more friends, more friendly with their parents. Yeah, sure. Um, and I've never understood that. <laughs> um. And it's not necessarily that I want it. It's just it's something that we don't have. Sure. And I would just quickly say, yeah, I'm, I'm not very close with them. I would say that um, the I was like sort of the I'm going to my room to like sit alone in the dark or kind of kind of guy. So like everybody else, I think they maybe feel more bonded than I do. But I was very much like the weird eccentric iconoclast. So there you go. All right. Uh, number 24. How do you feel about your relationship with your mother? Hmm. Um, I, again, not super, I'm not like best friends with my mom. I've never been that way. And I think um, that will never be our dynamic, but I do admire her a lot. I think, uh, and this is where I'm totally going to cry. <laughs> um, sorry. Do you want to take a second? Uh, should I do my bit? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> Are you going to be okay? <laughs> Sorry. My, so my mom was um, diagnosed with um, thyroid cancer not that long ago. And it's 
as far as cancers goes, like a perfectly like fine and manageable cancer. But it has made me think about like her mortality and like what 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 I would do if she weren't around and. Also, just, like, how unfair it is that, like, someone like my mom, who, when you describe me as, as tough, I think I get that from my mom. My mom is a very resilient woman um, who has to, like, make the best of her lot in life um, and, you know, did her best to, like, create a warm, loving environment for our family and um, raise me to be strong and independent um and someone who could not have to rely on other people because i think my mom you know she got married when she was 18 and um in a culture where uh the man is like the provider for the family and she very at a very early age instilled in me that like you should never depend on a man for anything in your life because then you don't have your independence um and so i again i admire her a lot and yeah, I'm just not ready to deal with the thought of like her not being around. Well, you know, you don't have to deal with it in this instance. Yeah, uh, I will say I'm going to break the fourth wall because one of the most hilarious things ever was just happening. This like desperate, very quiet search for a tissue <laughs> for you that I should have participated in, but I was like d- riveted and also didn't know what to do with myself. So that was very clutch. Um, yeah, I will very quickly say, um, yeah, I think your relationship with your mom is really great, and I, I, I think. My relationship with my mother is very complicated. Um, I'm a lot like her in a lot of ways, some of which I don't love. Like she's very moody and temperamental and can be kind of harsh at times. I always say, I've always said I get my sense of humor from her. She's an incredibly funny person. She's very blunt spoken um, and that can cut both ways. Sometimes she Mm -hmm. can say things, especially when I was young, that were very cruel and sometimes she would crack me up. And she is a very kind of like no nonsense kind of person, a very stereotypical black woman in that sort of way. Um, and you know, that being said, like I, yeah, there was a lot of anger and a lot of tension and I, and I'm mature enough now to understand that she was probably unhappy about a lot of things in her life and didn't know how to deal with it and maybe took it out on me a little bit. I think we are more at peace now than we were when I was younger. I think we were constantly butting heads when I was younger. Um, but I think part of the reason, uh, women are very prominent in my life as, as friends is that, there was something missing there that I think I sought out in other women in my life, it, whether it be, well, I would say it was definitely validation, you know, on some level. And also like a certain level of affection that I think my mother was challenged with. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Um, in what way do you feel your partner has changed you? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, I think I touched on this a little bit before is I think I've always been someone who is kind of complacent, like I'm perfectly content to just kind of roll with things. And you've taught me that, like, if there's something that I think would make me happier or that would bring me more fulfillment or joy that I shouldn't sell myself short, that I should absolutely, um, you know, reach higher, even if that comes along with a lot of other like scary things. Sure. Um, there's so many. Oh, one more. Yeah, Sorry. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've also taught me to be more um, like introspective and willing to look at areas and way in which I can like change and improve myself. Because I think 
in a weird way, I've been very like cocky and arrogant to be like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I don't, there's nothing about myself that I have to change. And I think you've actually taught me that it's good because you're so open and willing like to improving yourself. You. I don't like no, that you haven't taught, but you've been an example of that. Like, okay. you are so willing. Like, if I call you out on something, you don't just like brush it off and you're just not like, oh, I'm fine. Like, you actually like take it to heart, think about whether it's something that like you can change. And then, mm-hmm. and you have, there's like a lot of things that you've done that like, you know, I've seen that you've really listened to what I had to say and then acted on it in a way that I need to be willing to do as well. Yeah, there's a lot of ways in which you have helped change me. I guess the first thing that came to mind was just, I think I, I'm sure I would have identified as a feminist like long before I met you, but I think you are very good at kind of keeping that at the front of mind. You, you certainly look at things through a prism of, representation and balance and and these sort of issues in a way that has whether i've even been i don't even know if i've been truly conscious of it but i feel like being in a household with you where we're constantly having those conversations you know i'm reading a lot of the same things that you're reading we're, we're having these sort of intellectual debates when we watch a film you almost always watch it through that prism in terms of well how were the the women you know portrayed and and were they given enough to do that sort of thing that i find that i now approach those things more that way. I'll, I'll never be perfect, you know, in that regard. But I think I've had to confront some of my more latent kind of dismissive attitudes about certain things or things that I didn't know and hadn't bothered to find out. And every day has been sort of an education for me about what women go through and how they deal with things and how they receive all of the both negative and positive energy out there in the world. And that has changed me. The future is female. (laughs) All right. Number 26. Name something your partner hates that you absolutely love. (laughs) Um, Nachos. That's true. That is true. I don't like like really greasy foods in general. I like like barbecue chicken, but I don't love like cheesy stuff or like you love like like, you don't like like saucy stuff yeah like a lot of stuff to me just looks like heartburn and i want no part of it so that's definitely and you definitely also liz has a lot of um like tv vices that i'm not (laughs) aware of until i come home from work and it's almost like i'm watching murder she wrote (laughs) it's like the equivalent of like you you know a woman like walking on her boyfriend like looking at porn or something and it's like oh oh no you saw what i'm looking at it's like i come home and it's like her porn is like murder she wrote or the great british bake-off or like i like a lot of um british mystery shows yeah it's a lot a lot we found a boy in the foundry (laughs) it's like it's like and i'm just like what is going like the they always have netflix is always suggesting like uh shows with the strong female yeah and it's like these this is this british cinematography where everything looks like it's in a fog and everyone's like really pasting it's like oh yeah. another bottle found it's, 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 it's good we found a bottle and I'm just like out. I'm like okay I'm gonna go to my room and watch ESPN I guess yeah. cause that's what I do but and I'm like, just eating nachos watching my crime procedural yeah. I mean hate, hate is a little extreme I, I am like physically grossed out by nachos also vomit (laughs) no let me explain very quickly very very quickly no i'm gonna explain because i was thinking about what like what is something else i hate you don't know you love vomiting but liz gets sick a lot she gets sick from drinking how do you know i don't love it i don't know well i think you're you're much more comfortable with it you're much more kind of like oh i need to throw up my nickname in in college was barfy um yes (laughs) and part of that was because i could like puke and rally and i'd just be like i just gotta get it out and then i'm good to go 
Right. And I, I physically, I find, I, I rarely ever throw up. I find the physical act of doing it yeah. incredibly unpleasant and like physically just, ugh. Um, when it's around me, when I see it in a movie, I get sick yeah. seeing it. I'm not freaked out by blood or like anything else. But Liz does tend to like. I don't know how we got into like a vomit conversation. A <laughs> well, it's but there's just, a hilarious story which we don't have time there, for there about when two, I showed yes. up to Adam's apartment holding a bag there of vomit. Been, in, in the course of our relationship, there have been two separate occasions where I have handled a bag of Liz's vomit, and that is love. Okay, we'll yeah. move on. We'll move on. I do want to say this character, this British character you created. I want to pitch a show. <laughs> Based on a British detective that's just very cool, that thing that people are dying around him. So you were like, oh, it's uh, it's like it's fun. It's, <laughs> it's like yeah, he he he's like he's got to be some guy who like because I love the Cockney thing. It's like the Michael King thing. It's like he's got to be some guy who like grew up on the docks yeah. and like everyone's like oh my, and he's just like it, yeah, it's fun. It's uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's another day at the docks. You just okay. Sorry, we'll move yeah. on. <laughs> but I'm I'm down to workshop uh, quarry. That's what I'm gonna call quarry? him. Yeah, like yeah. That. That's great. <laughs> all right, let's move and on. I will watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, number He's twenty-seven. Got jowls. That's all I know. No, no. They jowls. all do. All those British guys are all hangdog. Michael Caine's not. It's, yeah, he is. I'll not. No, I'll maybe. not marry. I'll anyway. not bury another Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She was only sixteen. Stop years. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number 27. Yeah, yeah. At what point did you know you wanted to marry your partner? Oh, wow. That's a really good one. Well, we've talked about this before because I feel the like... The moment, though? Exactly, because I don't think either one of us has like a boop, that was it. I think we just kind of gradually came to like a real... Well, I don't want to answer for you. I will say for me. <laughs> the moment you fell madly in love with me was September the 3rd. I was wearing right. a flower dress. Now, I don't, I don't remember a specific time. I do remember... Thinking, I was thinking about it right around the time we made the decision to move in together, and I remember thinking like, okay, like that'll be sort of a big test. Like if if we get through, like a you know, I think in Can my mind I was roommates. like one or like one or two months like smoothly because obviously you hear horror stories about people they move in and then suddenly it's like you know they they're fighting about every little thing. But even that, I remember when we approached it the way we did, we were like very meticulous about where everything was going to go. We had like well, a very bitter argument before, about magnets yes, at one point. Before we moved in together. Cuz I like a lot of shit, okay? I have like shit all <laughs> over my walls. I'm like this is it's true. like a, it's like my brain splattered onto a wall. It's like movies everywhere and memorabilia and music and all this shit and I had to scale back. And we had to have a lot of tough conversations about magnets. And then... I had a meltdown over magnets. There was tears got, about magnets. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a fight in Ikea I mean, over a lamp well, that I will never forget. Everyone can And that. yeah, so basically like, but once we moved in and it went so great, I was sort of like, okay, like this was sort of, for me, that was like the last kind of like barrier to jump. And then I got the idea of, oh, wouldn't it be amazing to propose to her on her birthday, which was that May, and we did it at Medieval Times. I was totally surprised. And that's a whole nother story. Yeah. No, I think it's the same for me. I think because we were willing to have, like, honest conversations. And I, I well, I guess one way I knew you were the one is that we fought really well. Like, we could disagree, but still be respectful right. and, like, eventually, like, uh, compromise and, like, do it in a way that felt healthy i have never <laughs> been upset with you for more than 24 hours which i can't say that about any previous relationship i was in all right number 28 think of one more thing you like about your partner but make it something more silly or trivial oh my 
my god, I, I have an answer. <laughs> you do or you I do? do? Okay. I do. Um, I love hearing Adam laugh. And sometimes I just, he'll get tickled by something. I'll be in another room and he'll just like burst into laughter. And I fucking love it. It makes me so happy just to hear you just like be so amused by something. And lately we've been eating this. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to explain this because it's, it is kind of needs some context very quickly. And please tell me if I'm going over. We, I've, been, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently. And there was this one particular one where this, the guy on it was doing an impression of Holly Hunter in Batman versus Superman. And this voice was making me laugh so hard that I was crying on the subway because I, I was trying not to laugh. that funny, but the fact that he finds it so funny makes me it's die. Just, it's just, like, <laughs> it's like, it's the things they have her saying, and it's also this like, it's like a slight lisp, and it's like, uh, Mr. Batman, I have some questions for you, and I hope you'll answer them right away. And I was just like, literally when they were doing it, I just was like, I can't he's, take it. He's in tears, but then, which then puts me in this tears. Is the first, this is the first time I've been able to talk about it without laughing it's really weird um god i'm trying to think of like a silly one i mean we have this thing okay this is so stupid but we have this thing we we call them like liz jokes where liz will say something like very aggressively corny it'll be like a really bad pun or just kind of like it won't even be really a joke it'll be just sort of a statement that lies there but then she'll just kind of present it with like a like it's like some jazz i'm I'm very amused at my own jokes sometimes so i will get a kick out of that we'll call it a liz joke because it's like a real just just like like there might be like a run of jokey banter and it'll be like the thing that just comes right out and pours cold water right all over everything i think it's hilarious and they can be like every once in a while you pull out one that I'm like, all right, that was pretty good, pretty good. But what makes it a Liz joke is the laughter at it yourself. Like oh, you're yeah. just like this killed. Oh, I don't yeah. care who thinks I'm so. Very amused with myself. Yeah. So yeah, I would say I would say Liz jokes are a golden oh, yeah. golden option there. This is the only question that I knew was part of the oh, okay. deck. Um, share with your partner an embarrassing moment in your life. And even with advanced preparation, I don't you know that I have. You had advanced preparation? Well, because I knew that was I know the question was I, I think this is hard because it's like I'm trying to think of something that you don't already know. I have one. Well, it but, doesn't have to be that. Well, well I, you know. I, I, this is, I actually thought about this the other day because I felt like it almost was going to happen to me again. This is very embarrassing to me. So much so that I have never told you this story. Oh, shit. Um, so when I was in, because I think it was, what embarrasses me about it is like there's an age where this can happen and it's like, it's kind of cute. And this was like over the cusp of that for me. So when I was in the seventh grade, I w- it was in some like... We were doing presentations. It also had to do with like dioramas and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did this this is a diorama that I did not intend to be like funny, but in retrospect was very funny. We had to do dioramas based on I think like some book we were reading. We were reading like mm-hmm. a tree grows in Brooklyn. Did you ever read that book? Nope. There was some scene in that book where like the kids like discover a condom. It's like a really weird scene and they're like playing with it or something. And that's the scene I decided to do in the diorama. So this is not even the main part of the story. <laughs> but I did this diorama where the, these these kids are playing with a condom. Did you and include a condom in the Not like diorama? an actual condom, but like the, it, it, I don't know what I was thinking, but it was one of those things where like, I just made it and I was like, that's a scene from the book. Did and you, then, were your parents involved in this? <laughs> no, not at all. But anyway, everyone in the class was sort of like laughing at my diorama and like I kind of had to try to own it. Like, yeah, like I meant for that to be funny. Then also at the same time, I desperately had to pee and I had to, I took off to like go to the bathroom and I didn't quite make it. Like it was like one of those like situations and it was like end of the day and I was like, okay, what do I, I had like that panic of like, 
okay, what do I do here? Like, do I just not go back to class? Or like, how do I negate this? So I just like, like got into like the locker room of the gym class and I put on my like gym shorts from school and I concocted this like whole elaborate thing about how like the faucet like sprayed my crotch and so I had to change my pants but it was like so insane and like the other day I was at work and I was like in one of those situations was like I got to pee so bad. Like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to the fucking restroom. And I had this, like, I had forgotten this. And then I had this memory of, like, oh, my God, what if that happened to me again? And then I was just, like, a so dude who pissed himself. So if he shows up with himself. gym shorts, you'll know what happened. <laughs> yeah. So that's my dumb, embarrassing thing. Um, I feel like mine are mostly period-related. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I mean, you've heard this. I've got, I when I first got my period, um, we were staying with some like family friends and I had a big crush on their son who's my age and we were watching Shirley Temple movies yeah. and I was sitting on a couch and I was like, whoop, what was that? And, and I got it was up. racism. And I had to like get up and walk to the bathroom, which what I am pretty sure was just like a giant splotch Oof. of blood on my like skirt. Oh my god! Um, like right in front of this boy that I had a crush this, on, this like, and it was the first time I, I was yeah. like, I knew it was coming. Thank you, mom, for like preparing me. But it was just more like, in addition to just like the embarrassment of getting your period, like having the boy that you have a crush on very, there very was. Quick sidebar: This story is reminding me of when I was in college. My my roommate, his mother was like a fourth grade teacher, and she used to have to teach like sex ed stuff. And my roommate like stole her like sex ed videos for the boys and the girls because he thought they'd be funny. So we were watching them. And the girls one, this is, this is you're just illustrating my point, was like the saddest thing we yeah. ever watched. Like we were literally like so heartbroken. Like we were literally like, oh my God, like we can't watch any more of this. We have to reexamine our lives. Like what <laughs> women go through is so horrible. I'm like, God damn it, put on the boys one. This one's rough. And the boys one is like all fun. It's just like your dick's going to get bigger. Your balls are going to drop. Your voice is going to get deeper. <laughs> Everything gets better from here on in. Like yeah. literally there was a question and answer section. And one of the kids' questions was exactly how big is my dick going to get? He didn't say dick. But then I was like, that kid. Is awesome. Like he knows what's <laughs> up. He's like, I'm yeah. fucking ready. Anyways, sorry. Tough out there. Puberty is rough. <laughs> okay, uh, number thirty. Uh, when did you last cry in front of another person? Well, five Wait, there's, ago. there's, oh, there's that. And then the other question, <laughs> the other part of the question is, or by yourself. Oh, interesting. I mean, literally, like five, ten minutes ago. Yes, for me. Um, I do. Oh God, I hate when this happens at work because. I, I when I get angry and upset, my default is to cry, and that just reads as like weak at work. Um, and it's only happened to me like on a handful of occasions, but it fucking sucks because I feel like I just lose all credibility. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm a crier, so it's pretty frequent. And by myself, I feel like every once in a while, like especially sorry to make this all about periods, but <laughs> um, when those <laughs> hormones podcast. are raging, it's like you know sometimes you just need a good cathartic cry to get it all out. That's all fair. Um, yeah, I would say I'm not a big crier. I definitely cry a lot at movies. Um, I think it's like something about like a film score. Like if you put like a soaring music under something, oh, yeah. like here come the waterworks. I don't remember. I don't remember the last time. I mean, there's definitely like some great movies I saw this year that I was like fighting it at the end. Like I want to say Call Me By Your Name. The little uh, Lady Bird weirdly got to me a little bit at the end too. I definitely didn't expect to be. Even Dunkirk. I remember being like, <laughs> why am I like weirdly getting emotional about this? But it was like, I don't know, that movie affected me. I 
Yeah, I think I, I, I well, tear up a lot at movies, but maybe you would remember sometime. Yeah, so the one, because you're right, you're not a crier. And the one moment that stands out to me is like we'd gone to Idaho. Oh, the airport yes. cry. <laughs> so my dad and I had gone through eh, a rough boy. patch and we just reconciled. And like we had this like emotional parting at the airport. And like, I think it's because like seeing my dad cry probably got you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that honestly, that felt like a scene from a movie. It was so intense her, her, uh, our little nieces were very young at the time. They adore Liz. Uh, one of the, the nieces started crying because Liz was leaving. Her dad started crying. They had this like tearful crying goodbye. And I was just basically like, I'm not made of wood. Like this is affecting <laughs> me. I cannot see this many people crying back to back and not cry. Like it just fucking yeah. gets me. That was rough. <laughs> that I, was I, rough. I, you know what's funny? It's like I was remembering that and I'm like, I don't want to go back to that one. And now we did. Uh, number 31, what is something you feel other people like most about your partner? I would say your humor and your creativity. Uh, okay. Um, you keep hitting me with these like super short answers. Yeah. Like you have these things right at the top of your head. Um, yeah, I mean, people are upset. I mean, Liz is like, I, I always worry for your sake. I, I don't like being like pigeonholed or stereotyped as any one thing. Right. So people are like, oh, he's the dude who like draws the picture poses and he likes movies. And I feel like with you, probably the thing you get hung up on is people being like, Liz is like the party planner person. But people love. I don't mind that. Okay. You don't mind it. Great. But pe- <laughs> people, people are obsessed with that. Like Liz throws these like incredibly like well thought out thematic parties, particularly around Halloween, but, but other times too. And like she loves you know, decorating and, and putting these like nice little touches that, you know, most people are like, I have people coming over, I'll put out a bowl of chips. But Liz is like, I'm going to get like really good hummus and I'm going to make everything <laughs> look really pretty. And it's like, I do think people really appreciate the effort that you make and the time you put into it and that you're a great host. You're like a really gracious person and you, you really look to make sure everybody's having a good time and, you know, is getting what they want and need. And that's very nice. Well, thank you. We look forward to your next Halloween party. Oh, yeah. No, we decided not to have one this last year, and it was kind of heartbreaking, but it was a, too much going on. Yeah, it's weird. Like, she plans them very far in advance. Oh, it's I'm like always a whole thinking thing. about Halloween. Uh, I'll send him Halloween costumes. Number 32. Like in uh, what, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? Oh, you don't have a one word answer for this one, do you? No. I don't know. I don't know what's like taboo in that way. Because I think if, you, if it's. If it's done right, yeah. I don't know that there's a particular like topic that's off limit. I think there are bad jokes and yeah. there are like jokes that don't land or jokes that are mean spirited. Um, I mean, I definitely have a lot of the movies I grew up loving and still do for a lot of like personal reasons have problematic things in them now. I think like, you know, there's a lot of things that I probably joked about myself when I was young, you know, that I when I look back, I think that wasn't helpful. I mean, I, I definitely have a much lower threshold for racial humor, homophobia, you know, homophobia, yeah. g- you know, gender related yeah. things. I just, or sexual assault. Like I think a lot of these things, it's like, you got to really delicately walk these lines now. And for a good reason, like I, mm-hmm. I kind of hate, and I love Dave Chappelle, but I kind of hate the thesis statement of some of his new specials, which is like, everybody's too butthurt now. And like humor is dying because we're all too sensitive. And it's like, well, I think we need to be better. I just think we need to be better. And it's like a movie like get out, which was my favorite movie of the year. I remember when I saw the trailer, I was like, 
oof, this could go one of two ways. It could either be brilliant or it could be really like ham-fisted and shitty. And I was so relieved and thrilled and impressed that it really managed to be smart and original and thoughtful about a topic that it's really easy to do dumb. Yeah. It's really easy to be like, white guys talk like this and black guys talk like this. You know, it's like <laughs> I've, I've seen that humor and it can be done well and it can also be like the most exasperatingly stupid thing you've ever seen. Yeah. If you were to die suddenly, what would you most? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our favorite topic. Hit me, hit me. I'm already, I'm already half dead. So Number thirty-three. If you were to die suddenly, what would you most regret not having told someone? Why haven't you told them? Um, told someone. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's like any one specific thing, but I, I do feel like I need to reconcile some things with my parents i don't know how i'm gonna do it i don't know when i'm gonna do it it's it's really not like a one-time thing but i do think there's clearly a lot of like resentful bitterness there that i haven't figured out how to really express and how to kind of express in a way that i would feel sufficiently like i got this off my chest and they would feel like they weren't being necessarily kind of castigated because I haven't been a parent yet, and I can't imagine how hard that is. Just the other day during the Women's March, we saw this dad really viciously scolding his daughter. And it was very uncomfortable. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know the context of this. I mean, I can't really judge because I don't know what I would do in this situation. But it upset me. And it upset me because I had parents who were very strict that way. And... I feel like that's part of the thing I need to confront with them. I'm sorry. I'm going on and on. but Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think similarly, I would have more conversations with my parents, but almost in the opposite way. Like, I think I would tell them um, more how I appreciate them because I think sure. part of why we've, we've been very distant because I think overall that is healthier for our relationship. <laughs> um, but I think then that means I don't have as many opportunities to tell them, like, how much I love them, how much I care for them, how much they've, like, you know been a big part of my life right i'm gonna cry again all right well, we should keep yeah. it moving all right number 34 your house catches fire after saved loved ones and pets which one thing do you save or would you save i'm sorry no I, thoughts on that no, one no i don't have like it's strong tough. attachments I, I, to things. I mean, our wedding and I, album but like that's replaceable like we have those pictures in other places yeah yeah that's yeah i mean trying to think yeah i mean obviously i, I wouldn't there's a lot any... of things i would want to save theoretically i mean i all my records and my movies yeah. and all my shit but like would you it's risk like, going back into no like, of course not you know fire. that's the thing it's like i mean obviously and we don't have any pets i mean that would be a natural thing but we don't have any pets i mean um yeah i mean my first thought was like photos because but they aren't necessary i mean old ones old i don't ones, have them yeah. all digitized yeah. so yeah i have but a yeah, lot I of photos that i would like risk losing my life for that no, I mean, it, again, corny, but, you know, as long as, like, you're there, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, home stretch. Number 35. <laughs> what's, that? what's up? That's just another death question. No big oh, okay. deal. Um, of all the people in your life, whose death would you find most disturbing? Why? Uh, you're not allowed to die, so I'm just going to put that out there. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if I didn't have you, I don't know how I would carry on. I know I joke about like, oh, I'd move on like very quickly, but I think no, finding I, what we have, yeah. like, I just don't know how we can. Yeah, I, I don't like I to dwell on, yeah, I wouldn't want to dwell on the idea, but obviously, yeah, I mean, if you passed away, I, I really feel like, 
Um, I would have a really hard time being like a functional person. Um, and I think that's been one of the challenges of being married is I often am in situations where I'm, I'm worried about you or I'm worried that you're okay or, you know, maybe yeah. you're out of touch for a while and I'm like, oh, did something happen? Obviously, we live in New York City, so there's always the ever-present threat of terrorism and all sorts of other things. So this is not not front of mind for me. Um, you know, and I, I my parents are getting much older now, even though our relationship is very fraught. If they were to pass away, I, I think it would yeah, definitely be like, intense I, for like me. Like I said earlier, I just, I'm not my parents are young and so i don't have to necessarily contend with their mortality in a real way but that's one where every time it comes up i'm like oh not ready not yeah. okay to deal with that all right the last one I'm, this maybe has to be another cameo from sheriff jw peppa <laughs> number 36 even if you've shared it with them in the past what's the most important advice you can give to your partner advice yeah um I guess I would remind you to see yourself the way I see you. Yeah, this is like the recurring theme of our yeah. relationship. <laughs> Maybe that'll be yeah. When I'm I'm in my hamburger grave, I, I will I will like see you know instead of seeing the face of God, I'll see the face of Liz being like, "You didn't suck," <laughs> and I my last words would be like, "Or maybe." Well, I'll trail that's I think like and I'll, I'm. Uh, I don't think anyone is completely free of like self-esteem issues, but I do like, and this is like my great frustration as well, is like I sometimes want to like shake you and make you see how wonderful and amazing you are because I think you have this like, um, these blinders sometimes is, and, and like, this inability to do that. And I, you know, I can't do anything other than like yeah. remind you of that. No, I'm in my bell tower with my hunch and I'm just <laughs> angry all the time. Uh, yeah, it's really hard because I, I don't feel like there's anything that I can tell you that you don't know already or know better than me. Like, I feel like even though I'm older than you, I feel like you should be giving me advice more. Like I don't have anything to impart to you. Uh, and I don't want to end the, the whole thing on a shitty note. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like not. you kind of do everything right. I guess, okay, my advice to you would be, uh, figure out real. how not to shed so much hair. Like, in, in, <laughs> invent a, a system, uh, some kind of you know system. Oh, also some kind of, <laughs> of system that would allow people to always know when they have flushed that the thing that they have flushed has been totally flushed. You're making me sound like a super disgusting human being. I, I am just. This is advice that I am imparting from on high that. Uh, you know, mastering the art of flushing and not shedding hair is a goal <laughs> so to what set. So we establish is that I vomit a lot, I shed hair, and I don't always flush. <laughs> There's a lot of fluids. This, this whole episode, you have, <laughs> fluids have played an extremely huge role in this episode. You're right, blood, piss, True, yeah. vomit. You know, the only thing we didn't have was like boatloads of semen. But that's the next episode. <laughs> that's the 37th question. <laughs> All right, we're, you're not done yet. You finished oh, the questions, shit. but more? you're not done yet. This is scary. So at the very end of the 36 questions, Arthur Aaron would have his participants look into each other's eyes. Okay. Yeah, and he argued that on a regular basis, people, even if they're together, they don't look at each other sure. for an extended period of time. So we are going to make you stare at each other for four minutes. Holy, Holy shit. shit. And you can't talk. Okay. Ready? Ready? Yeah. Ready? Go. Go. Three, two, one. 
Were you like really close to this? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it looked very weird. That was very funny to me because you looked like you were putting your nose up against <laughs> it and like doing this, and I was just like, this is bizarre. Okay. The whole time I just wanted to do the Holly Hunter voice. I'm gonna pretend I'm like a Batman. So stupid. I love it. So, what did you think of the 36 questions? It was intense, yeah. but fun. Um, and honestly, like, I don't think we've, I think we kind of circle around these topics and like our regular conversation, um, maybe not all at once, but yeah, I feel like it was, it was nice. Yeah. I mean, I'd be, I should do more reading. I'm interested on the methodology or like why these ones, why this was the focus. I think it's interesting that they ask you about your relationship with your mother, but not your father, like things like that. Right? I'm kind of, it's an yeah. interesting choice. It's like, I think it, well, that's a whole other conversation. Is there a different set of questions? Because uh, a lot of them were about your partner. So if you like, if you're single, right. like, how do you answer? Yeah, we those? adjusted them a little bit. If you don't know a person, how are you supposed to answer yeah. some of these questions? Yeah. yeah, there were some questions where it you could tell it was written for two strangers. Yeah. So I changed it to be more. Oh, interesting. Like a couple. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think little things like that intrigue me. I mean, obviously, the relationship with the mother is very unique and special so maybe yep. that's why but the, the things like that kind of jump out at me obviously the, the fixation on death is an interesting one I mean it certainly puts things in like a high stakes terms and it makes you think about things in a very fatalistic sort of way well, um, I can simplify things yeah I mean I will say this like I have always felt almost like embarrassed by how comfortable I am like gushing about you and our relationship like it's probably one of my favorite topics I would say like sex and then our relationship like if <laughs> people want to get I'm just endlessly fascinated by these things so it's not I think for some people I know it would be like oh my god it's this like excruciating thing to have to talk about my feelings but I really don't Oh, see, I do have a hard time, it. like, um, being expressive in that way. I think you're just, you're very good at articulating all of that. It's not that I don't want to talk about it. I just don't always find, like, the right words. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, you know, if and when you listen to this, that you're perfectly articulate. And that sounds, that sounds like Obama <laughs> complimenting Hillary. You're plenty likable. But no, I mean, <laughs> honestly, like, you're fine. Um, and you definitely don't ramble like some people. So yeah, Were there good. things you learned about each other that you didn't know before? Huh. Um, I feel like one, now I'm like lost because there was one of your answers where I definitely the fact that I hate my friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that one. There was some answer. Now I'm trying to remember what it was, but there was one answer that you gave that I hadn't heard that story before. There was some detail that I thought, oh yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, nothing like huge. Well, yeah, because I, like I said, like we have these conversations. We talk a lot to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so inevitably you kind of circle around these or, or, or directly have these conversations. So it might have been a little bit more pointed than normal, but mm -hmm. I, I don't think I was too surprised by anything I heard. Well, thank you for coming on. As a final thank you, if you have anything you'd like to plug, a social media account, oh, cookies wow. you make, anything like that. <laughs> cookies yeah. you make. It's very specific. Uh, you want to go? Or? No, you go first. Uh, yeah, I'll plug uh, Cookies for a Cause. Uh, my cookie partner and I make uh, amazing beautiful and delicious decorated sugar cookies and we donate a portion of the proceeds to really wonderful uh, nonprofit organizations so you can find us on instagram at cookies for a cause nyc and that's also our website uh i don't remember any of the names of my websites or urls i don't know if you have it there oh, but um well liz and i do our own sort of very not as ambitious as this podcast uh, called never seen it never seen it where we watch movies we've never seen before and talk about it together for the first time on the podcast so that's somewhere out there i guess i don't know the name of the url but 
Yeah. I think he's just never seen it. Anyway, so they look for that. We're and then, great at plugging things. Yeah, and then I also do a movie blog. It's called Adam Howard Has Too Many Movies to Watch. I don't know the URL of that it's either. Adam has number two, many movies, number two, watch. Yeah, I really regret that name now, but it is what it is. It's, so that's the thing. Uh, I do a lot of art stuff, which you can find on Society6. I think the name of my Society6 thing is Ad Rock Howard. I also have an Instagram that has art stuff. I think it's Adam T. Howard Art, I think is the name of it. I'm sorry, this is not something I was mentally prepared for, but yeah, so I do art, the podcast, the movie blog. Yeah, Adam T. Howard Art. Is there anything else that I do? Am I? Is that all that there is to me? I guess that's all. it. That's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, sorry, I'm just blanking here. I might be starting another one with somebody else about Wesley Snipes, Stay but that's tuned. a whole other thing. Uh, but yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. And if you ever want to be on the podcast uh, in a future season, you can find us at 36qpodcast.com or email us at 36qpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and subscribe on iTunes, please. Great. And leave us reviews. (laughs) Bye. 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 Thank you for listening.